Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, let's talk Ouija. Please get it. Can you get it? I'm not. Are you? Are Come you on, having Cass. a laugh? It's a itch. It's a Cassie. I'm gonna Come get on. it and I'll show it to you on camera. But I'm not. We're not okay, doing just go it. Get it. Okay, just go get it. Just show it to us. You're not even. Just go. Get Je- it. It's like Jen and I's baby. Stop keeping it's her from deal. us. Just go get it, Cassie. Okay. Come on, Sophie. Let's force oh, her okay, into you... doing this. Right? Did you see Rebecca's tweet on at Free? No. Only the greatest Instagram handle of all time. What did time. she say? Um, she said. Please, please, please do it on Yeah, Creek so Life. this is where we're going to trick Cassie into Ouija. Wait, do you... I oh, Wait, key key information. I think Cassie has AirPods in. What is... Oh, oh, fucking... I can hear you all the time. Like, <laughs> whispering to each other on Zoom. You're I'm wearing typing. AirPods. It's impeccable, Cassie. You oh, that is too good. That's the... <laughs> Okay, come on, get it up there. Uh, this is the Ouija board that we got. Oh, no. A resin glitter Ouija board. I really oh love the creep gifts being sent stunning. to the office, but this has filled me with dread. It's beautiful. And I like this thing. What's it called this again? could make a nice little like Okay. The planchette. So I this gal is a goddamn hero legend. She made that. That's blowing my mind. Does mm. she have She works she have, in resin? It's amazing. She, she, she has also an gave Etsy us store. other things. She gave us, and I think this is really directed at me, a resin bottle opener and um, some resin key rings and uh, oh. resin little unicorn things as well, which are all beautiful. But just the one singular Ouija resin Ouija board. We're taking that um, with us when we go up which, to, on our um, overnight hike to Loftus Hall. Mm-hmm. I've never even held one of these before and I am shaking with the nerves. Hold it up to the, the screen nerves. there, Cassie. Cassie and, you're such a delicate, delicate person. And put the planchette over it as well, just so I can get the full effect. If you start asking, ask them if they want to come in and pay rent in this off- office, then I'll happily welcome spirits into my Please. life. But until then, unless you, they want a podcast, what's the opening line? I'm not interested oh. in speaking to them. <laughs> what's the opening line? Can I? A Ouija. Oh, yeah. Do you say something like, welcome spirits, evil or kind? You are welcome. You say, to all the spirits here. Keep going. Are you listening? And then they say yes or no. Cassie, you feel any movement? you know the way on the board, there's numbers one to nine. There's yes, no, and then there's the alphabet. But also, I just don't know if we've made enough of a big deal of the fact that 
this woman, Anna, made yes. our Ouija board. It's not just any Ouija board. You're right, she fucking made it and her Etsy shop is Anna Banana Crafting and she has so much cool resin stuff on her Etsy shop. She has a handmade resin ashtray with, in pink glitter that says bad bitch. Nice. Fucking I yes. want that. How much also, is it? I can, that is $14.50 with flea, free $14. delivery. $14.50? Flea delivery. Anna Banana, you are under uh, Anna, you're not charging this enough. This is insane. Anna Banana Crafting on etsy.com get it on it everybody like just that's so ex- I honestly think that this is one of the most special things ever and like ugh, like obviously not you know all of our art that people make is so fab and baking do you remember when we got that amazing it was like a shoebox packed with delicious home baking the butter amazing. bit yeah jesus yes i mean there is but the anyway. chocolate biscuit cake and then we hired her <laughs> that's right you hired her oh my god it was the right oh my decision. god Cass- I am that was such... Amelia, and now well, is the head of research at Tall Tales. Who I chat to. So if anyone wants to send in, send in a big shoebox of food, then you'll also get a job out of I it. I can't believe I forgot that was Amelia. I feel like such a dope. You're so right. Dumb fuck is the only word for me. Well, guys, oh should we God. spread the word about our new plan? In adding a, f- a little bit more to the patron and um, yeah, mm. let's move on. From so this. we decided. Um, we got creep- new... house creeping. Yeah. To add some more stuff on there because, uh, frankly, it, there's too much in us and we need to... So each week, we're going to take a little out. slot on Wednesday and just do whatever, what, you know, something there. Little tickles our creep. Whatever tickles our creep. A little a little creep to creep. That's it's what it's called. called. Creep to creep. Creep to creep. A little, you know... This first one's coming this Wednesday, tomorrow, and it's creep to creep with Jen Rogan. Yeah, it's me. It's me. I'm going to te- talk to you solo about something. And, you, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll just, it'll just be thoughts me and, and you. And, uh, you know, thoughts and feelings. I'll tell you a few things. You never know which way it's going to go. It'll be one thing or it'll be another. Can't wait. See you there. <laughs> uh, so if you're thinking about, so that's it. We're basically we're trying to, you know, drag more, a couple more people into the Patreon. See if anyone likes the cut of our jib. And also, uh, Sophie, you want to announce the next little I'm afraid of this bit. Oh, wait, but there's more. Mm-hmm. Wait, there's more. Because um, with the Creep to Creep, we are also, and I am so excited about this part, we're getting every fourth Wednesday, we're going to have a guest creep uh, via voice memo or WhatsApp voice note, whatever. Email, email your voice memo to creepinforlove at gmail.com. And it's your chance to creep the creeps yes basically because there's so only we're just three hoping of to get us some awesome and there's four <laughs> weeks in a month 1400 of you <laughs> and also because do you remember not ever no in fact hardly anyone will remember because this is the main episode who never come to our lives but um do you remember on one of the creep craft dives we got talking we were all just talking anyway uh and there was about 80 of us there the amount of creep listeners who know people who have been murdered oh that i know it was insane wasn't it and these are not just like it was like we were a support group for people who knew people who had been murdered yeah it was just everyone had a story who was your one who told us about the body in the the chipper freezer remember that one was that jazz could have been i think that was jazz anyway that was good Um, and do you not remember mary's story with the milk of the family Family, yeah. Oh, that was desperate as well. That one was, I mean, these were not just murders like a la Dr. Marie Cassidy, good people having bad days. These were, like, some of these murders were like, these are bad people having the time of their lives murdering people. That was good. Like, so we're hoping for more intense. of that. Yeah. So if you've got something like that inside you. Doesn't have to be or, murder. You know, a terrible roommate Could just be a weird or story. Just something really disgusting. You did a weird poo one time. Lash it in a voicey, lash it into us and we will publish you on the internet. Um, so that's cool to creep, an audience creep to creep is going to be so much fun I'm excited about it get excited I'm um, going to blow your tiny mind the tiny mind is going to be literally sprayed across a wall as if Jen shot you close range why why did I finish the sentence there <laughs> I don't understand okay then the other exciting piece of um, you know patron uh, <laughs> trying to convert those convert those KPIs <laughs> if you listen Right. And you've probably been listening maybe a few months, maybe a couple of years now. 
And God knows we appreciate you listening because, you know, you've, you've got us where we are today. But if you listen and you've never been tempted even once to sample a patron membership of The Creep Dive, we urge you to reconsider. Because not only is there wall-to-wall content behind that paywall, and there is there is like 80-plus hours of additional creep across the, a the Creep Hive, which is basically a mini version of the main episode. There is the Creep Lives, um, where you can get to know your fellow creeps. And uh, There's the videos, where you can get to know what we look like uh, in some terrible lighting. And, um, and often enjoy our kind of like the visual medium that we bring to those creeps. Now, which in itself is creepy enough. It's creepy as hell. Who Dick Dis? An infamous, now infamous game devised by Jennifer O'Dwyer, whereby she showed us pictures of dicks and asked us to guess who or what the dicks belonged to. And it was brilliant. People were amazingly um, good at it, which is disturbing. But look, this it is a very educational game. It was very educational. This is a very long winded way of saying, and I'm scared to say it, but I'm announcing the return of the toad. Oh, God. The worst. If you, so look, Jen and I just. Shouldn't. I'm just gonna black out for this if section. You... Okay, just go now into. I'll go okay, both of you go into a fugue state. I'll be over here shilling, shilling the patron. So join up. You pay four. Is it euros a month? Four dollars. Four euros a month. Three something euro. It's three fifty sterling. I know that for a fact. That's a good Bargain. deal. Um, we will send you. And we will send you. <laughs> we will. God damn it, we will. Um, send you a tote. So thank you for your patronage. And plus you'll have like insane amounts of content also to enjoy. As well as access to our live Zooms every Thursday. It's a beautiful community. I How can you feel like you know 250 people so intimately? But it's so much fun. And like everyone... Crafts, yes. creeps together. So this is going to happen. Friends that creep together until stay together. The, the totes we have run out. And if you're listening to this. Does and this it, mean I have to go and count the no. totes? I'm going to have to. Not until them. we get close to the end. If you're listening also, and you're pissed okay. off and you're a patron and you want a tote and this is annoying wait, wait, wait. you. Just email. Like if you're a patron already but you joined after January 31st, 2020, which is when we stopped doing the totes. Oh, you just email and we'll send you one. Now, just email. The key is you must email creepinforlove at gmail.com. You must do this. I'm going to spell it. <laughs> I was about to spell it. Creep in <laughs> for love. That'll do. It's C R E E P I N F O R L O V E at gmail.com. And you email us there and you say, fuck you guys. I joined the Patreon on the 3rd of February 2020. Give me a tote. And I will say, Yes, I will. Mother of God. Please. Please, God. Hopefully. And also, final word yeah. on totes and merch. We have, I think, gotten right with God for the most part. Uh, we put uh, that email address on our Instagram, just urging anyone who'd had issues with merch to get in touch. Really, 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 really working to get absolutely everyone sorted. Refunds where necessary. Re-sending, um, you know, where things have arrived. Those fucking mugs. Jesus Christ. To say I packaged them now within an inch of their lives, like each mug was the size of a human head by the time I was finished packaging it and the weight of a human head. Anyway, look, we're saying it here on the main episode too, in case you don't follow on with the Instagram that much. If you bought merch and had an issue in any way with the merch, except if you just didn't like it aesthetically, that no. But anyway, if there was any issues whatsoever, please email to let us know at creepin, creepin for love at gmail.com. That is all good. And the floodgates have opened. <laughs> oh look here's 19 emails here already uh wait now while we i have a brilliant creep for you tonight something oh, i'd God. never heard of we've actually run out of time shit i know that closes you can just head on to the patron to hear more no no i've got a brilliant what do you have here is what i have before you answer the question i asked you here's <laughs> have you ever heard of a little thing here's having you called the protocols of the elders of Zion. <gasps> yes. Oh, I'm yes. excited. You should be. Oh, thank God you have this. Thank God you have something fun. Well, depends on your you, idea. Are you giving fun. us your depressing, depressing story now, Sophie? Each week. Each You're week pushing I'm like, it out. I, do it this week. I think it's been I've, a very I've, hard week. 
I mean, this week I was like, with more of the Leo WikiLeaks, Leo leaks, can we tolerate it? I think we can. I'm ready. I'm ready okay. to do it. Right, and I've psyched myself up to hear it. Oh, Christ. Okay, okay what order should we do this? Cass, what do you have? What about Cass? What do you got? Well, I have quite a long, also sad story that I will say on the Disney's Disney's first fallen child star, who you definitely oh, know, but very didn't realize the story was Trent. this. Mm. Oh my god! But it's not Britney. Also, it goes Cassie, way, way back. Your dedication to ruining Disney for me, for yourself is so good. I've just accepted that you the world as we know cruise. it is different. So I am not now working towards the Disney cruise in 2055. The likelihood <laughs> is that I'll never retire and just work myself into the grave. Sophie, look at Cassie's hand. No cruise. Look at what she's doing. She's <gasps> I'm spinning, spinning the planchette. Oh, Cassie, if you spin that 66 times, sorry, 666 oh, times, the devil is in you. You're fucked now. That's Cass. not the first time I've heard that. Okay. Okay. And well, how do we do this then? Go with. I think. I think. I mean, depressing and then fine. On. I'm not fun. Okay. Oh, that you are. No. You're just innately fun. Okay, you go first then. No, no. Because okay, fine. You see, I have I have a foot I have a foot in two creeps basically. Mm-hmm. So if yours is as depressing as one of mine, I can switch tack and do the other one. Lads, this is just amazing, and also a moment of. And it all makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I do enjoy these yeah. ones. Do you know, just as an aside, I got a great call. So my phone number is on the internet and that needs to change. But I got a great <laughs> call from a creep last week where she told me, um, I'm sure she won't mind, tomorrow we had a great chat on the phone. And she told me a really good glitch in the matrix story that I'm now going to get her to tell for our new creep to creep but it was Yay. a really good one. Oh, very good a very interesting and a little unnerving but good yeah anyway it's good crack so uh, have you have you or have you heard have you not heard about this book i'll say it again and i'll say it correct protocols of the elders of zion yay or nay i've heard of the elders of zion i've heard of I've the elders of zion yeah but did you know who they were well, I'll tell you I now. I thought they were like a shadow group. Well. That like run the world. Well, interesting you say that. Yes, because this is a book that you could pretty much point back to as going a, kind of a, maybe a catalytic or certainly a, a huge part of uh, like the surge of anti-Semitism uh, and specifically World War II. Over in his, so to look, okay, a book was published in 1903, okay? We're in Russia. The title is The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. The book was published by, let me get the, the name of this group. So we're in Russia. This is, uh, we are, we're 20 years before the Nazis sort of got involved in this. And, uh, sorry guys, let me get to the beginning of, my notes I've got three or four there's a couple of fantastic articles written about this one in the Atlantic and this one I'm kind of leaning heavily into it's from a website called The Conversation it may also be an academic journal this guy Stephen Whitfield a professor of American civilization wrote this fucking amazing article about it so most of my information is coming from his so he sums it all up by calling it the largest anti-semitic hoax um, that was ever created and amazingly in August of last year, the spotlight again was put on this book. So ever heard of a lady called Mary Ann Mendoza from the news yeah, recently? Uh-huh. She is a member of the was a member of the advisory board for Trump's re-election campaign. And she was due to speak on the 25th of August of last year and was suddenly pulled from the kind of lineup. And the reason she was pulled was because of uh, she had retweeted a link to a conspiracy theory about Jewish elites plotting to take over the fucking world. So, I remember that. In her tweet, right, she had about 40,000 followers at the time. She urged people to read this lengthy thread. And uh, the thread, one of the first tweets in the thread, warned about a plan to enslave Goyim. So Goyim are non-Jews. And it included this sort of... um, kind of feverish it says here feverish denunciations of the historically wealthy jewish family specifically the rothschilds as well as 
a top target of right-wing extremism. Okay, right-wing, right-wing extremism today. The liberal, sorry, he is a, he is a liberal Jewish philanthropist. His name is George Soros. We all know him. So the tre- the thread was spotted. She was removed, and so began a sort of another interest, renewed interest in this fucking book, which, by the way, is for sale still to this day. It's currently on Amazon. The reviews are mixed. Um, it's mental. <laughs> and uh, so she, the so that thread made reference to, and he, he keeps throwing, so he said it's the most notorious hoaxes of modern history, this guy says. And he's fucking right. He's a scholar of American Jewish history. So um, basically, we're going back to Russia. We're at the start of the uh, century, so 1903. Um, the protocols were concocted by the Tsarist police, the Okhrana. Ever heard of them? Ruish, Russian police group? No. Anyway, no. they mm. drew upon this very old, obscure German novel from 1868 called Biarritz, in which mysterious Jewish leaders met, sorry, meet in this pra- Prague cemetery. Oh. Okay, so this is what the mm. book suggests. Fictitious book is suggesting, right? Yeah. So yeah. the fable goes from the book that these uh, Jewish leaders are meeting you know, in order then to gain power and take over the world through currency manipulation, yeah. uh, ideological domination, and pushing out fake news. So uh, in the novel, way back then, the Beeritz one from 1868, the devil listens sympathetically to the reports that representatives of the tribes of Israel present describing the havoc and subversion that they have wrought and the destruction that is yet to come. So the Okrana at this point took that book, rejigged it into what is called now the Protocols of Zion and pushed this fucking thing out like you wouldn't believe. And it fucking gained legs. And it gained legs to the extent that it went on. Wait, this is a really interesting part of it. So the year is now 1918. The Spanish flu epidemic is in full swing. This book is being uh, kind of passed around everybody's still talking about it and how interesting mm. that those things are happening because when times are shit absolutely when times are and shit here we are. are dying to blame something here we are in the fucking mm, pandemic with QAnon so simil- so back mm. then this was their kind of version uh, because oh, two mm. years after its Lashing publication it. it was completely torn apart the Times did a whole kind of this is a hoax none of this shit is true here's where the original book and here's how they twisted it to make it you know, what it is today. So people knew it was a fucking hoax, but they still carried it along and bits of it kept appearing everywhere. Totally, but every time, say, the Times or some publication that was kind of like in any way sort of liberal or left would denounce this and out it for being a hoax. And and the people would would say, of course, they're saying that. Exactly, just the same as now. Mm. So we're in... The, we're in 1917, we're in Russia, the Bol- Bolshevik revolution is happening, the book is seminating, people are dying of Spanish flu, uh, the scapegoating for Shit the Jews yeah. has begun. Uh, scapegoating, yeah. scapegoating the Jews has begun. So enter fucking the Nazis who took the book, printed large swathes of it uh, in manifestos, handed it out. There was a huge... You know, it was part of the Nazi manifesto. But apparently um, Hitler in somewhere, according to this academic, has acknowledged the fact that this was a work of fiction, that it was a hoax. Uh, but he, <clears throat> he acknowledged that. And he said there's, there's something about him feeling concerned that it was untrue, but carried on using it nonetheless because it was effective. And um, right. so that carried on. So then World War II was in full swing. Enter... An Americanized version of the book appears by none other than Henry fucking Ford. Yes, oh, the Henry Ford. For God's right? Sake. By 1920. Jesus, uh, where do you even find the time yeah, to be a fucking bigot, Henry? Well, you know yourself. I'm sure um, his name was on it, but who knows? So, so Ford or or someone he had paid to do this um, arrived then with this copy of an Americanized version of the this of the document of the book. And the headline, the title was now... I wonder if it was like The Office, mm. like better than the English version. Pro- the, the new title was The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem. 
So it ran oh, Jesus. in in Ford's newspaper, which he owned at the time, the Dearborn Independent, for 91 straight weeks it printed until it had printed the entire book. He printed uh, this. So, like, at the time, obviously the Jewish community in America, sure, fucking, we were in the throes of World War II, the fucking everything was happening, and the, and the Jewish community, representatives from the Jewish community in, in America... Uh, leaded, they mounted a lawsuit and um, it forced the it forced Henry Ford to issue a retraction of those 92 newspapers that he had right. done. Uh, so anyway, so why... But it's mad how many Americans were looking at Nazi Germany with interest. Yes, exactly. And not, and not disgust or horror. No, no. Like, it was, uh, yeah, exactly. So I guess really the, the so at this point, the book, knowing it was, it was just this fucking, it's QAnon is what it is. So a lot of the rhetoric in QAnon mm. is incredibly anti-Semitic. And uh, as we've seen, who's your one, Derek, I've forgotten her name now, who stood up and talked about the Jewish lasers from space. She was a representative from the Republican no Party. She was a, she was a. I was about to say, was she a Republican Party? Yeah, but she was standing there in the Senate saying these things out wild. loud. It is extremely disturbing. She she knew she was totally she, yeah. It's totally insane. But uh, so it really goes to like I had no real you know I've no connection here and I obviously Marjorie Taylor Green. That's that her. Your woman, your mad bitch. Bit. Yeah, total cunt of the highest order. Now, pardon my French. So anyway, full time mad bitch, but not in the good not way. in the good way. <laughs> so this guy goes on to uh, this professor says what sustains of the influence of the protocols amongst cranks and extremists. So basically, uh, the, the protocols kind of were this inflammatory text of this kind of suggestions that, you know, that these Jewish people were taking over the world and heading up everything in control with the plan to annihilate anybody who was not Jewish. And um, mm. so the Rothschild family was a really important family for America in that they were sort of pivotal, he says, to the emergence of the financial cap of finance capital so um mm. incredibly wealthy family and kind of owned a lot of the businesses in the u.s uh also in germany france austria italy and england is where they had branches of their businesses and uh they became sort of this target for you know uh, kind of were held up as an example of you know look at the rothschild they're taking over the fucking world yeah they're doing too well how are they doing this well? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so today, and then we have Soros as well. This guy, a Hungarian-born, British-educated American uh, Jew, has become an especially, has become a hatred figure for the far right. So he says, among the world's canniest investors, he has spent billions of dollars promoting progressive causes. And he seems to personify what Ford called in his Americanized version of the book, the international Jew. Anyway, hmm. it's scapegoating it's at the highest order. It's masked the international Jew as a title. It sounds kind of like, it's a bit glamorous. Massively the international glamorous. Jew. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jet but then the, the second half of the title is um, deeply disturbing. Yes. The, What's the, the world's uh, foremost the problem. Yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's mm. incredible because it's such recent history. But not only that, but here we are, history fucking repeating itself again. You can see all of this text mm. on Twitter. Anytime there was any kind of backlash against it, its reemergence, for instance, in anybody uh, kind of calling out that Marianne Mendoza woman, um, anybody kind of, kind of coming up against her saying, this is outrageous, you need to take this down immediately. Of course, it was followed then by horrendous and disgusting tsunami, tsunami of mm. support, yeah. which is, mm. well, you know, sick. But I mean, it's all wrapped up in this QAnon stuff also. So that's the kind of roots of, well, not the roots of, of anti-Semitism, but certainly a big player in its kind of stronghold. Conspiracy theory. Yes, exactly. And, and all that, yeah. the, the Nazi manifesto, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so that's my kind of snippet on the protocols of Zion. Uh, wouldn't recommend, but very interesting nonetheless. Fuck them. No, it's so interesting. I just did a piece for Rogue where I spent, uh, I joined the Republican Women for Trump Facebook yes, groups Cass. and interviewed a load of republicans about why they voted for donald trump and because um, 42 percent of women it was just uh the piece is up on rogue at the moment it's it was just uh, uh, like fascinating and completely deflating in equal measures yeah. it was interesting in that like for every person i spoke to like they really it's speaking to them they kind of 
justified their decisions in a way that you couldn't argue with. Like it was all based on their personal beliefs and their Christianity and their like traditional values and wanting the best for their families. And unless you were going to the point in the conversation where you were like, your values are in themselves misogynistic, anti, you know, Semitic, quite racist values, Mm. then there was just no, you know, but they just, there was no talking to them. There was no reasoning with them. Like I as an outsider, and then someone who doesn't use Facebook, but only used Facebook in this capacity to talk to people. Um, I could see the spread of disinformation really quickly and how the sources of information that they were sharing looked really like news sources, but obviously from an outsider's perspective or someone from a perspective where we have a fairly somewhat unbiased, media literate. Like, yeah, we, yeah. We, we, even, even though our media isn't completely and utterly unbiased, we're more media literate than they are Mm. and I could very quickly identify this kind of like three-pronged problem which was their access to information the influence and then their own traditional values and then their economic status as well because Trump did have a fairly well he's credited with having a very um strong impact on the economy during the time that he was president did they Mm. so like anybody's family that you spoke to benefit from his presidency was there anything tangible yeah a lot of people spoke yeah like a lot of people spoke to me about how they were uh how they were um unemployed during say the obama era and then had found work since trump had come into power which was like oh sorry that's the reverse of what i would have thought yeah yeah no no the people had taken themselves they weren't no the people i spoke to weren't um necessarily nice white rich people they were kind of people who'd come from a sort of that planchette just fell over but i did have it resting on its side um (laughs) they were people who would who would come from sort of a trying economic background a lot of people i spoke to were from baltimore city uh-huh. and they in particular had kind of suffered um a really bad economic downturn and then since trump being in power it had improved which they just they were like that's correlation there but anyway it was an, a really interesting thing you you can't i wasn't in i wasn't talking to these women as a debater or as a liberal person I was in the capacity as a journalist so I wasn't there to argue with them it was Mm. merely to understand why they had chosen to support Donald Trump and the thing was by the end of all these conversations and like some of them I've been having conversations with by email or by Facebook back and forth since pre the election and I understood why they voted Mm. for him I just don't agree with it Mm. but I can see it from their point Mm. um but yeah, you can read it. You can read all about it. Read all about it. Moment. I really want to. That's read all brilliant. about it. Um, um, well, it was fascinating. Jen, I feel like um, I have a complimentary story. How interesting. It's the it's, three of it's us mad. coming into like, line. Our stories kind of dovetail here in a mad way. So this is finally, I'm telling it, the one that was too depressing for January, almost too depressing for February. But since Jen brought up the Nazis, then fuck it. Okay, so um, this idea started off um, when a few years ago I read about this charity, right, that was offering in exchange for cash um, sterilization to um, drug users, uh, people with addiction. Wow. So they would give you, they were called Project Prevention, and they would give you $300 $300 or when they um, crossed the pond, it was 200 sterling in the UK to anyone who wanted to be sterilized by their charity. And so they focused on um, women, obviously, and, uh, you know, drug, drug addicted women, women who already had perhaps children who were in care. And God. Um, they so look there's a lot of ways to look at that alone Mm -hmm. as a concept Mm -hmm. because if you out and out just blanket say it's wrong i feel like it's almost um kind of condescending or disregarding the fact that these women mainly um, with substance abuse problems like are incapable of making decisions about their lives but at the same time i think it's just you can't argue with the fact that they are like this hugely vulnerable, compromised group exactly. who are being targeted by a charity. And being paid to do so. I mean, that's an inter- weird angle. Yeah. On one, do, do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And also this is a charity 
whose slogans included she has her daddy's eyes and her mommy's heroin addiction fucking hell Jesus fucking Christ this second one is is so bad it's the worst don't let pregnancy get in the way of your crack habit oh god that is bleak isn't it so one of the founders it's like who is Barbara Harris it's like packaging it it's so disgusting do you know what I mean it's like branding it and packaging it to sell it you know yeah um, and yeah. so who was behind kind this of, I don't know why it reminds me of um you know the fun Jesus from uh, dogma oh, yeah. but just slightly reminded me of the fun Jesus from dogma so the founder Barbara Harris has said in interviews quote we don't allow dogs to breed we spay them oh we God, neuter them that's unbelievable we try to keep them from having unwanted puppies and yet these women are literally having litters of she's children. a revolting human obviously that is unbelievably this bad is, yeah it's unreal now I guess I can't read this without thinking of children who were born into those circumstances and what that has meant for them and I don't maybe somebody who has would read that and be like well fuck you I I don't know like I wish my mother had had children she was able to care for I don't look it's yeah it's pretty despicable. It's also just a despicable, harrowing situation. And per usual, the solution is all focused on the individual who is the victim mm. of their circumstances, their marginalization in society, the entire sickness of society. So rather than trying to help the sickness of society, why well, trying they, to actually treat the, why, yeah, fix the problem? Of, they're just looking of, at one symptom. Exactly. Instead of treating the core problem, they are instead you know, targeting the very vulnerable individuals who are suffering from the problem. So this was like in my head and I was like, it's really fucked up. And I feel like you could sit down and try and think about it for hours. When when was this happening? So like 2013, I think they started. Jesus. Yeah, they started in the late 90s and um, they... um, we're offering it in the UK in 2013 because I actually fully remember reading about it when it was just like it had just been like they had arrived to the UK and there was loads of op-eds about like what the fuck do we think of this and um, so then this kind of brought me down a road of thinking about eugenics which is one of the grimmest concepts that humans have ever come up with amazing how, how we do this to ourselves isn't it like yes in terms of humans on yeah. human on human cruelty is human on human. It's the only like nothing else is bad. It's only human on human shit that's bad. Like animals on human, that's fair game. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, that's just a resetting, a redistribution of karma exactly. when an animal fucks with a human. But anyway, um, so with eugenics, I have to hold up my hands and say for a long time I thought eugenics and calisthenics were the same thing different things I have that so with eugenics and eurythmics <laughs> you see we found a way to laugh at eugenics not a problem so anyway eugenics I was so like right oh my god uh, you know they're thinking about eugenics which is just so obviously related to the Nazis mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know obviously their quest to purify uh, you know Germany and their bloodline and all this insanity and um, I was reading away about that and all about um, you know they had this like in obsession with this kind of like biological improvement of their race by selectively they wanted to just breed the kind of as we know the Aryan traits and um, yeah I would have done very well on Nazi tinder yes um, Jen and I would be no we'd be no more sadly no and um, so there was Thank this you. quote that I came across that caused me to like just go no <laughs> I tried to make the sound of like screeching to a halt so not it far was, off it, a quote from um, Adolf Hitler um, about eugenics and about um, you know uh, phasing out the quote-unquote kind of weaker elements of the gene pool. 
So Hitler said the undesirables. There is how did he use what did what was the term hmm. he used for the the anybody who was considered to be outside of the Aryan? There was a word. It's like undesirables um, or defected or he maybe he used all of those words. Probably uh, or none because he spoke German, but. <laughs> I don't know what the word um, you're referring to is, but basically he said, in fact, he uses a phrase here, weak beginnings. And so he says there is today one state in which at least weak beginnings toward a better conception of citizenship are noticeable. So basically saying there's one state that are doing quite well on this eugenics thing. Um, he goes on to say, of course, it is not our model um, in the German Republic, but the United States. And I was what? like, oh, really? So this is interesting. It's so always viewed as like that the Nazis brought the evil mm-hmm. to all the other places. But they were getting some ideas of their own from the United States. And... Um, particularly California, where there was eugenics research going on. This predates the Second World War as well. Um, The research that was going on in Germany and in the US um, into eugenics. Obviously, eugenics then like rose to prominence like dramatically when um, Hitler and the Nazi party took uh, took over. And um, but yeah, it's mad that they were like, getting inspo what was the californian place doing okay so for starters this is just a little bit of a kind of rundown of the eugenics in the nazi um state so it was like identified as this might be what you're thinking of jen life unworthy of life maybe um which in german is lebensunwerts leben and it's just such a it's just a sad phrase Mm -hmm. it's just so it included prisoners degenerates dissidents people with congenital cognitive and physical disabilities Mm -hmm. including people who were quote Mm feeble-minded epileptic actually this is a fun game to see who would have survived survived yes quote feeble-minded epileptic schizophrenic manic depressive i'm out cerebral palsy muscular dystrophy deaf blind homosexual seacast Idle, insane, Hi. Jen, you're off, and <laughs> the weak. Um, so this was eliminating them from the chain of hereditary. So um, obviously, four hundred thousand people oh, were sterilized. It's also like fucking ninety percent of the creep type listeners gone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's be frank here. Oh. It's all the interesting people. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You Who really are like straight white cutting people. off your nose Nobody. to spite your face there. It's <laughs> it'd just be we'd have like hours and hours of Carnation Street and the X Factor. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Chinese takeaways and missionary. Jesus. Oh my god, Christ. I bet you Sue, Susan Boyle would never have been on the X Factor cast. Can you actually believe? No. Can you believe? No. What a cruel and colourless world that would have been. Okay, so over in America, right? So I was like, what the fuck's happening in America, lads? Over in America, right, there was this really famous case called Book versus Bell in the US Supreme Court. Um, and it took place in the early 20s. And it was all surrounded, uh, sorry, it all focused on this woman called Carrie Book. Um, so Carrie Book had a pretty, like, difficult, sad life. She grew up in Virginia, kind of rural, pretty poor. Um, her parents were quite poor. Um, they actually abandoned her um, when she was quite young, when Carrie was quite young. Um, and she was placed with foster parents um, and yeah. her mother. So Carrie's mother had been committed um, after being accused of immorality, sex work and having syphilis. None of that is in any like I haven't read anything that, that that's actually substantiated in. Um, so after Carrie was in foster care for a few years um, with her foster family, the Dobbses, she attended public school. She was noted to be average in her studies. And um, when she got to sixth class, the Dobbses took her out of school and said, you'll stay home now and help with the housework. Then when Carrie was 17, she was raped by the Dobbses nephew, Clarence, and she became pregnant. So the following year, 
the Dobsons had her committed to the same place that her own mother had been committed to um, on the grounds of, quote, feeble-mindedness, incorrigible behaviour and promiscuity after their nephew raped her um, and impregnated her. And so she was declared mentally incompetent to raise her own child. There, so far, has been nothing to suggest that Carrie Brook is in any way incompetent. Um, her, the Dobbses, the fucking Dobbses adopted the baby. God, that's strange. So, quite obviously, the Dobbses just shoved her away because they couldn't hack that their nephew was a criminal and nothing yeah. ever happened to him. So she's just been, like, noted as quite average in school. I mean... But, you know... Like, that's harsh. Like a a many a person. And, um... And obviously, like, quote-unquote feeble-mindedness or mental incompetency does not in any way remove your right to a life, a nice life that is not fucking an institution. Like, unless that's appropriate. So I wonder how they explained all this to the child. So anyway, so extremely irritating to Carrie or her child. The child that that they were trying to raise. The child was a... Imagine... Imagine then. Well, they probably didn't. They probably kept it all secret. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And like when you're growing up and you're just um, taking the word of the adults around you. Also, quite sadly, the daughter Vivian died at the age of six. So she was she was never really like conscious of her circumstances, I suppose. She died of measles. So that's really sad, like compounding the tragedy for Carrie. Um, who had, had never gotten the right to care for her own child. God. So then, right, there's this mad then situation that kind of evolved. And it was like, basically, you know, it was US government. It was politics that suddenly completely overtook this woman's private life, which was that they were trying to get um, a law introduced into the um, U.S. Constitution that would basically make uh, forced sterilization a go, pretty much. Do you know what I mean? So they yeah. wanted to use the um, they wanted to use Carrie Book to kind of fit their stereotype of quote a feeble-minded girl, and um, to kind of um, sort of to say that there was there was worth and value and and sense in forced sterilization wow. of these types of people that's a fucking stretch it's a fucking it's fucking galling and upsetting and um so basically the case was known as book versus bell and it was first heard um in november of 1924 they kind of began proceedings began and um so the uh the lawyer for the the lobby groups who wanted to push this forward as a kind of like policy to sterilize people and they offered quote scientific evidence you know that carry book had you know had should be sterilized and um they went into all of what we've just uh, detailed you know immorality prostitution uh, you know blah blah blah, blah bullshit all bullshit and it basically said further evidence of the hereditary nature of Carrie Brooks feeble mindedness and moral delinquency you know that moral delinquency when you just mm-hmm. are raped by a man exactly. um, consists in the fact that um, at the very early age of four she was taken from the bad environment furnished by her mother and given a better environment by her foster family so here you can see what they're trying to say they're basically arguing the nature nurture thing and they're basically saying that she was taken from a bad environment put into a good environment and it still did no good do you know what I mean? And therefore yeah. demonstrates the hereditary nature of feeble-mindedness and moral delinquency. Look, um, this person who said that had never met Carrie Book. Book. He'd never, never examined her. her or interviewed her. He had never, this was completely, this was reporting from his own imagination. Um, so anyway, it was important that they show the book was likely to pass on the defective traits for, to her children. They watched her seven-month-old daughter for a short amount of time. So this is Vivian, poor little Vivian who died. Um, and a nurse decided that the baby was, and this is a seven-month-old baby, quote, not quite normal. 
Hmm. And so based on this, the judge decided that Carrie and her daughter were all, quote, socially inadequate. Um, Carrie's lawyer, um, who was kind of, like, I suppose, defending her and trying to kind of not get her, um, let her be sterilized. And um, he didn't call any witnesses or offer any kind of argument whatsoever. The defense And therefore rests. the judge, the defense rests. The defense are exhausted. <laughs> They are going to take a rest. Okay, so then, obviously, not surprisingly, the judge pulled up the decision. Carrie Buck was um, sterilized, and um, it really, really fucking helped the entire eugenics um, uh, lobby in America. So then, um, Carrie, she was finally um, paroled from the institution um, after she was already sterilized. She uh, worked uh, at odd jobs for the rest of her life. She was married, was widowed, and later remarried and she died in the early 80s imagine she only died in the early oh 80s like so recent um and um people who knew her you know said she was very gentle remarked on her kindness she um she oh my god do you know what as well sorry her um <clears throat> her sister Carrie Buck's sister Doris was also sterilized right um, so that no one in this family line could reproduce. Wow. Um, and Doris, the sister, was sterilized when she went into hospital for appendicitis. Oh my God. <gasps> and she was never informed of this sterilization. She later married and she and her husband tried to have children. Of course. She, she didn't unable. discover the reason Realize. for their lack of success. Until 1980. Tell me she sought retribution and from she, the government and she was... She must have been an old woman in 1980. That's like, unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that... Because, like, Carrie was born in 1906. So, like, even if there was a huge age gap, huge age gap, she still was an old That's woman when she learned what happened to her. terrible. Yeah, and um, poor Carrie, um, she, you know, she, she never really... They didn't take this further um, reporters and researchers who did visit Carrie Buck later in her life said that she was a completely ordinary person but again like I think every time I say that I feel like I need to like say it in the exact same breath doesn't matter doesn't matter who you were like you don't deserve this in any fucking way there's nothing to justify this no no circumstance really could justify this I don't think you know absolutely not no. it's very complex but I don't think so she obviously expressed regret that she'd been unable to have more children or any it or is so fucking sad she was buried beside um Vivian her only child oh god so do you think that's depressing guys do you want to guess how many right in 1965 right so we're moving forward here. We're moving closer and closer to here and now in terms of this story. So they conducted a survey, right, um, to find out how many Puerto Rican women between the ages of 20 and 50 had been sterilized as a result of US population control programs in that area. So... 1965. In, in 1965, in South America... How many Puerto Rican women do you think were sterilized by the US government? Women of childbearing age, 20 to 50. Oh, I dread to fucking think. One third. One third of females in what? The whole of South what? America or Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico. Fuck me. One by the American third. government. Yeah. From 20 to 50. Yeah. With the so idea it was called to the US population control and program. this was this was an immigration issue presumably this was to quell immigration and this was their fucking solution that is beggar's belief ter territory so it's kind of i think it's a bit of geopolitics okay. here but i think that america had some kind of um like ownership or stake in that territory at the time okay. but i don't quote me now on that right. but we don't. I oh God. did think terrifying. It was bad. pretty insane. So, for example, so basically, like there is an overwhelming, um, you know, underlying white supremacist ideology. Well, obviously, um, they were fucking sterilizing their own broads. Well, I mean, Carrie Buck. Yeah, they were, but nothing like to the extent that they were sterilizing like black women and brown women. Like, so Carrie Buck was white. 
and poor. Um, but and that was her sin. What, when, what evolved was just this, like this landslide difference. Yes, in terms of um, who, uh, what, um, what minority groups were being sterilized. So, for example, in from 1930 to 1970. 65% of all sterilizations ordered in North Carolina were black women. Wow. So that's two thirds. Oh my God. And that yeah. is, that's the, the total number they've got there over this 40 year period in North Carolina alone is 8,000, 8,000 sterilizations ordered by the state. And so two thirds of those how, black women. Do you know, do you so, know the process by which, how this took place? Like, were you, who, like, how was the family notified did they have any sense of what was happening were they was it kind of gone in under the guise of like her sister like an appendicitis and then they kind of stole their opportunity or was it do you know how i think it's a mix okay to be honest because i've read some things where like that woman she was brought in for a different procedure and didn't learn like even at that point that what had happened it wasn't until they tried to have children and then with these kind of state ordered kind of mass sterilizations i i don't know i think it's more that they were forced knowing what was happening but unable to oh god to do anything yeah, about it's it. just dreadful isn't it like you asked earlier about the what was happening in california that kind of coincided with um the third reich in germany and it was basically california had this thing called the asexualization acts um which led to apparently twenty thousand men and women in california being forced sterilized and this was what the nazi eugenicists kind of cited very directly as having been a huge success inspiration do you want to have a guess about... It's like, I like guessing games, but this is not this a is, fun guessing game. It's kind of a horrible guessing game, is it? No, yeah, but please continue. It's a, it, This is important. No, do continue. It's just, it's absolutely blowing my mind. Okay, to like further compound on, let's just say, the incredibly uh, vulnerable groups and the already marginalized groups and basically the groups that like suffer enormously... Um, anyway just anyway and then this uh forced sterilization thing being visited on them um as recently as 2013 an investigation found that 150 women inmates in two prisons in california were sterilized in the 2000s what <gasps> with their consent so oh i remember this I remember I read a big article about this not too long ago. The forced sterilization. There's a great documentary coming out that has done really well in Sundance about this: the forced sterilization of inmates. Of inmates, yeah. Like many of the women in that scenario, um, said that they were coerced and knew what was happening but couldn't do a thing about it. Yeah, you can see it. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys want to guess when um, the last alleged or the most recent alleged forced sterilization? Oh, it's got to be like oh yesterday God. or something I... incredibly depressing. Oh, it's going to be like it's planned for next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, when is it and where in the world is it? US. Oh, it's America. 2019. Um, you guys will remember this once I start telling you about it. Do you remember hearing about a detention center in Georgia? This is immigration detention center. So yeah, very fucking like direct provision mm. um, here in Ireland. Uh, so this is a detention center called the Irwin County Detention Center. And um, so there was a woman called Jerome Floriano Navarro who was sent to the detention center. And um, she was there for a year. She was eventually deported. Um, but while she was there, she um, was examined by a doctor and told that she had a cyst. Okay. And he said that um, he would, you know, perform a procedure to remove the cyst um, and that it would just leave three little dots on her um, abdomen and that it'd be very quick. Um, one hole, she said, was by my belly, one by my womb, one by my vagina. So it sounds like it went down. Okay. You know, the dots down. 
the um, nurse who was taking me to the hospital told me that I was going to have my womb removed. I was like, what? No, that's not right. I'm going to have a cyst removed. And um, so then she um, got to the hospital. Incredibly, this kind of almost helped because she was positive for COVID-19. So they stalled the procedure. So the procedure was going to be delayed, exactly. And when she was put back into the detention centre, she was put in isolation. A few days later, she was told that she could now have her surgery. And she was like, a fucking no. Because I know what you're now doing. And she said, I refused. And this made them mad. They were so mad. And they said, you stay here, you get the surgery. We've already paid for it. Uh Um, So then she started talking to other women. And um, they started comparing experiences and saying that, yes, um, one former detainee, whose name was Pauline Binham, said she'd had her tubes removed without her consent. Um, another woman called Milady Cardenti Fernandez was told she would undergo an operation to treat ovarian cysts, um, but remains still unsure of what procedure she actually underwent. Oh, fucking hell. Um, yeah. And there was 19 accounts of majority black women and Latinx women who underwent or were pressured to undergo overly aggressive or medically unnecessary surgeries without their consent while they were detained at Irwin's detention centre. So eugenics is ongoing. Yeah, this woman said, Wendy Doe said, I've got the right to know what's going on with me. After her surgery, she was surprised to see bandages on her stomach. She wrote to his, to wrote to the doctor asking, what type of surgery did I have? Oh my God. Like, it is, is devastating. So heartbreaking. This article is absolutely brilliant. Uh, if anyone wants to read it in full, it's thenation.com written by Esha Pandit. And it's the many abuses at the Irwin County Detention Center in Georgia. And there's another really good article uh, written by Natasha Leonard for The Intercept about this. But basically, mm. Natasha Leonard's article very particularly d- digs down into the kind of the racism um, motivating this um, this sick practice. Um, so it's just so fucking devastating when you're reading about the women at this detention centre, like reacting confused. To what procedure they oh, had. It's heartbreaking. They discover what's just it's been done to their bodies. mind-bogglingly bad. Yeah. That documentary that I referenced there is Erica Cohn's Belly of the Beast. It's mm. doing the film circuit, circuit at the Belly moment. The um, but if you go to bellyofthebeast.com, there's kind of, uh, there's the trailer. It was the Human Rights Film Festival that had opened last year. I remember reading about it at the time, been uh, really intrigued to watch this. The last thing I'll leave you guys with on this is um, from that article um, by Natasha Leonard, right? She interviewed the woman who is representing, at the moment it's about 60 detainees who, well detainees, sorry, 60 women who uh, were fucking assaulted and violated um, and she's representing them as a kind of a class action. And um, so the um, the lawyer Asada Shashani and says the fact that black and brown immigrant women are held in an extremely vulnerable position at this prison where they have no control over their bodies and no say what is done to them is sickening. Irwin should be shut down immediately and people should be freed. The US government, as well as the private prison corporation running this prison, should be held accountable and fucking arrested. Yeah. Um, and the uh, author of the article, Natasha Leonard, just concludes with, I think, very powerfully, she is right, but holding the United States accountable in any robust sense requires a reckoning with the ways it has been defined by the control of black and brown bodies mm. domestically, at its borders and internationally. There need be no explicit policy of forced sterilization for a eugenicist system to exist. Mm-hmm. Normalized neglect and dehumanization are sufficient. Wow. I just thought that was really, That's really powerful writing from Natasha yeah. Leonard at the Intercept. Well, now Jesus. that is so that's shocking, the story, isn't it? Of of some some eugenics, yeah. Wow, wow, it's fucking so upsetting, isn't it? Isn't it fucking just? Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. guys, what a roller coaster of a day! What a roller coaster of an episode. It really, truly Cassie, was. Cassie, you have to save us um, your meat feast for later. 
Yeah, I'm not. I can't talk about the the first fallen Disney star. There's just no <laughs> happiness. <laughs> Here's a bit of happiness. Little snippet coming to you if you're a patron. Maybe even you'll get a tote. And then we're going to see your faces on Zoom on Thursday. And that will be happiness. <clears throat> that will be happiness. And also, a lot of creeps made this little creep, Sophie White, voice down Sophie White, very, very happy this weekend. Uh, I published, as patrons know, uh, an extract from my new book, Corpsing and Other Horror Shows. Nope, Corpsing My Body and Other Horror Shows. Uh, I put an extract on our Patreon page and like the messages were just so unbelievably kind and so appreciated. Thank you so, so much to everyone who got in touch and thank you so goddamn much to everyone who pre-ordered because pre-orders make the little tiny world of writers and publishers it makes our little world go yes and so there's still you, time thank you there's still time and there's still time you can head over to sophie maybe we'll put a link yeah. to pre-order it in the show yeah. notes do we have show notes probably not i'll put we the have link is show. in my bio on instagram and your handle is yeah we'll put the link in the bio on our inst- on the creep type Perfect. instagram Ooh, thank you uh thanks yeah. for coming we'll see it we'll i'll see you on wednesday see the rest of you on thursday thank you very so much thank you thank you good night Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.